Hi, this is Lisa DeLay, and you are listening to the Spark My Muse podcast. Today is Soul School Lesson 109, Reborn into Wonder. Right now, it's the beginning of autumn where I live in 2018 in northeastern United States. And if you are experiencing autumn for the first time ever, what you might think is that the trees are dying. The leaves are falling off, they're getting brown, and some of them are changing into beautiful colors, but they are leaving the trees, and the trees aren't green anymore with leaves. The first impression you could get is that something terrible is happening. Something's winding down, and maybe death is arriving. But if you had some experience or some knowledge about what's going on, you would realize that the trees are going dormant for a time. Perhaps they're dreaming or waiting. They're at the edge of waiting. Perhaps they're in a contemplative period before a rebirth into wonder and new life. And that is, of course, a kind of metaphor for what the spiritual journey is like, for what life is like. And today I'm going to be reflecting on some, on some words from Ronald Rollheiser in his book called The Shattered Lantern, Rediscovering a Felt Presence of God. This is a great resource that I will provide links to in the show notes and extras if you go to patreon.com forward slash sparkmymuse for this episode 109, Soul School Lesson 109. And when you do that and sponsor the show at $1, that helps defray the costs of producing this show and qualifies you for all kinds of bonuses every week and little extra goodies that you probably will appreciate and enjoy. While I read a portion of this book, we'll be reflecting on something called second naivete. I will read some of this and reflect on it somewhat, and it demonstrates an interesting thing that happens within the spiritual journey and throughout the course of a life that grows in maturity and wisdom. On page 172, subtitled Second Naivete, if you ask a naive child, do you believe in Santa Claus? He will say yes. If you ask a bright child the same question, he will say no. If you ask an even brighter child that question, he will reply yes, though for a different reason. This little vignette is a prescriptive counsel for the restoration of wonder within our lives. A contemplative consciousness, one that is truly attuned to the full depth and mystery within reality, not only wonders how, but it especially wonders at, with the eyes, the mind, and the heart of a child and a virgin, to perceive what is most primitive and primordial in reality. We need a primitive spirit. We perceive virginal truth. We need a virginal spirit. And to see the truth about the childhood of the world. We need to see the world with childlike directness. To come to purity of heart, we must strive to live in a, quote, second naivete and to re-virginalize daily. Re-virginalize is the process of continually recapturing the posture of a child before reality. Second naivete describes that posture as it exists in an adult who has moved beyond 
the natural naivete of a child, but is not lost in the deserts of cynicism, criticism, and false sophistication. It is a post-critical, post-adult, post-sophistication. As children, we are natural contemplatives. We spontaneously wonder at things and see things with directness. Reality is naturally mysterious and all too full of the aesthetic and the supernatural. Prior to the critical judgments that come with sophistication, little children perceive the world as laden with beauty and spirits. It is easy for them to believe in angels and ghosts and other supernatural and mythical things. Only as we mature, grow more critical, and approach reality with a more a priori filters, do we grow skeptical and begin to despoil the world of its aesthetic, mysterious, romantic, and supernatural dimensions. This is a necessary process. A child's natural contemplative faculties are based upon a naivete that would hardly be an ideal quality in an adult. As we grow to maturity, it is for our own good that our critical and practical faculties sharpen. But this growth is itself not an end, but a part of a process of further development. Beyond the loss of the natural naivete and contemplativeness lies another kind of awareness, a second naivete, which sees again with the directness of a child, but has now integrated into that posture the critical and practical concerns of an adult. In the natural naivete, we are childish. In second naivete, we are childlike. Unfortunately, in our postmodern and very sophisticated culture, the critical faculty that destroys our initial naivete is taken as an end in itself. We are life smart and proud of it. Like Adam and Eve, after the fall, our eyes are opened. We have a proclivity for cynicism since life holds few surprises taboos, or sacred dimensions. Atheism and idolatry have their bias there. If we want a more real sense of God in our lives, we must move towards second naivete. We must touch the nerve of novelty, purging ourselves of Chesterton's illusion of familiarity and learn to see things as if we were seeing them for the first time. The answer to atheism and agnosticism is not a closed mind, but an open one. We move towards this higher agnosticism when we deliberately and consciously attempt to purge ourselves of cynicism, contempt, and every attitude, however subtle and unconscious, that identifies mystery with ignorance. This notion can best be captured by poetry. Again, let me quote G.K. Chesterton. This is poetry here. When all my days are ending, and I have no song to sing, I think that I shall not be too old to stare at everything. As I stared once at a nursery door, or a tall tree and a swing. Men grow too old for love, my love. Men grow too old for lies but I shall not grow too old to see enormous night arise. 
a cloud that is larger than the world, and a monster made of eyes. Men grow too old to woo, my love. Men grow too old to wed. But I shall not grow too old to see, hung crazily overhead. Incredible rafters when I wake, and find that I'm not dead. Strange crawling carpets of the grass, wide window of the sky. So in this perilous grace of God, with all my sins I go, and things grow new, though I grow old and die. What type of praxis leads us towards a second naivete, or practice? Two metaphors are particularly helpful. Imagine a terrain that has been ravaged by natural disaster and despoiled by human beings. Its waters are polluted, its vegetation is dead, and its natural beauty is destroyed. However, given time and weather, sun, rain, winds, storms, frost, and snow, it will re-virginize. Its waters will, will grow clear and pure, vegetation will sprout, and its natural beauty will return. It becomes new again. So too our hearts, our minds, our souls, and our bodies. When we stop despoiling them with the attitude that thinks it's already understood everything, they will gradually regain their virginity and begin to blush again at the very wonder of knowing and loving. And chastity in perception will return. Now imagine the gestation process in the womb. The process begins with a microscopic egg, a cellular speck, which is being formed, cared for, and shaped by the things around it, nourished by a reality that is infinitely larger than itself. The process takes place in darkness. Eventually, the child grows sufficiently and emerges from the darkness, opens her eyes to the light, and sees the world for the first time. The sheer overwhelmingness of what it sees so overpowers the child that it takes years of time for the child's senses and mind to begin to understand. But initially, the child just looks and wonders. So, too, the process of being reborn to second naivete, to new virginity, we must, metaphorically speaking, make a recessive journey, a voyage to the sources, to the fetal darkness of the womb, and be gestated so that we can again open our eyes and see a reality that is so wild, so startling, and so overpowering that we are reduced to silence, able only to wonder. Second naivete is not a posture that willingly blinds itself to hard reality and refuses to ask tough questions. It is genuinely agnostic, fully open to wonder, and knows so little of a rich and multifarious reality that there just might be a Santa Claus after all. And there just might be a God after all. Atheism is not, as we so popularly imagine, the result of the human race coming of age and having the courage to rid ourselves of fairy tales and superstition. Atheism, for the most part, is rooted in the opposite. It questions too little and examines too narrowly. Jesus tells us that it is the little children who will see God. And to exercise our contemplative muscles, we must work at regaining the wonder, awe, and openness of a child. If Jesus was my spiritual director and I came to him complaining that the sense of God was habitually absent within my everyday experience, he would challenge me to get into a more vital contact with the little boy and the virgin inside me.
speaking of being open and aware to the presence of God, there is a piece just after this that I will sum up in my own words that talks about being aware to the presence of God. The presence of God is much like what we exist in or what we swim in. And a fish may say, um, what is this water I hear so much about? Or a person might say, what, water, who is this God I, I hear so much about? Unable to realize that the presence of God is in and through all things. And the, the mother fish may say to, to the little fish, as it were, water is, is in and through everything. It's through, in and through the sponges of the ocean. It's all around us. There's nothing that isn't water. We swim in it. And one way to find out is just flop yourself onto the beach and see how quickly you'll realize where there isn't water. And in the same way, we might not be aware of the presence of God because we don't know anything else. We don't know any other way. Uh, when we're getting used to the world in the first place as children, we may see God and the things of water all the time. And then we may take it for granted as though it's the most obvious thing in the world and how silly to think that there's such a thing as water or a thing as God. It's just the way things are. Don't be so superstitious. And then in a second awakening, we might realize, yes, indeed, this is a miracle of its own, that I can even understand that there's such a thing as water that I'm swimming in. And what a wonder it is. With this blessing of awakening, with this grace of awakening, that gives us a childlikeness, again, a childlike wonder, with the maturity and experience of having an adult mind and an adult type of reasoning, minus all the cynicism and critique and shame and lack of joy that adults can have sometimes. And this is part of what the contemplative spiritual walk is all about and includes and encompasses. If you'd like to join me for the rest of my classes on the contemplative spiritual journey, I urge you to go to sparkmymuse.com and click for the course. You may have missed some of the live classes already, but you can still view the videos that happened and get all the material for that. You can go to sparkmymuse.com and click on the courses and get those and uh, be part of the special Facebook group where discussions happen and you can download all the worksheets that go along with the live or recorded classes. And you can join us for the next few lessons that are left. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate it on iTunes, and I'd love to hear from you. How did you hear about this podcast? What do you enjoy the most? I just love hearing from listeners, and I thank you so much for listening. Come back next week, where there'll be a new episode each Wednesday. Wednesday.